your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, as we pretty much have begun our character study uh, in the person of Lot. And uh, the title tonight is Lot Separates from Abraham. Lot Separates from Abraham. We'll look at verses 2 through 13 tonight. But up to this time, Lot has lived with his uncle Abraham. Lot was born in the land of Ur, where Abraham lived. And he traveled with the group that went with Abraham from Ur to Haran. Now, when Lot's, uh, Lot's grandfather, Terah, died in Haran, he became part of Abraham's family. And Lot continued to travel with Abraham when Abraham left Haran and moved to um, Canaan and then to Egypt and then back again to Canaan. But this continued, uh, continuous living with Abraham is going to stop now. Lot's going to move away from Abraham. And he, and he will live quite a distance from Abraham. But the change is not going to be for the better for Lot. It's not going to be a good change for Lot. Because Lot needed Abraham. Abraham didn't need Lot. And without Abraham, Lot's going to experience a terrible moral and spiritual decline that's going to leave him cut off from everything that's good in life. And when Scripture focuses on Lot, as it's going to start to do here tonight, it speaks only about a life of shameful failure. It wouldn't be a failure to the world because the world would praise what Lot did. The world would praise Lot for all of his prosperity that he accumulated during the time after he left Abraham's company. When the world measures up a person, man, it doesn't look at their moral life. It doesn't look at their spiritual well-being. It looks at the things, things like material possessions, what they've accumulated in this lifetime. And the more you possess, the greater the world thinks you are. And if you have set aside your moral and spiritual well-being in order to get worldly gain, the world won't really notice. And it surely won't come down on you because uh, the world doesn't think or value a, a person's moral or spiritual condition you know, that, that much. So the world won't evaluate Lot's life as negative, uh, as correctly as the godly people will. Now, there were two things that caused and resulted in Lot's necessary separation from Abraham. First, it was the great amount of material possessions that Lot had. And this was the main cause. And they both, Abraham and Lot, had uh, uh, many possessions. They were both wealthy. The second thing was the strife between them caused by their abundance of material things. So let's begin with verses 2 through 6 in Genesis 13. And it says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great, and they could not dwell together. So by the time Lot returned from Egypt with his uncle Abraham, 
They were both wealthy men and had a lot of possessions. Abraham was the wealthier of the two. Verse 2 says, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And that's begun because he had done very well materially before his trip to Egypt. But in Egypt, he added quite a lot more to his wealth. But Lot didn't add it in an honorable way. It was because of Sarah being in Pharaoh's custody that helped to make Lot very rich. But all of Abraham's and Lot's wealth uh, didn't bring them a lot of peace and harmony in their relationship with each other. It didn't take away all of their problems. It It did just the opposite. It created very serious problems between the two. Again, this is not unusual because there are a lot of problems that that come with having many possessions possessions that have you know that come with great wealth because when a person becomes wealthy in life life becomes hectic and there are unknown cares and unknown worries that are added to that life wealthy people it's been said are are very are seldom happy they don't know who their real friends are their private life is constantly being invaded and wealth causes more strife than it does peace. And when it comes to relationships, the question is, is it the money that people are after? You know, are there frivolous lawsuits? Is there blackmail? Are there ransoms? These are constant threats for those who are wealthy. And here we see the root cause that brought about the separation of Lot and Abraham, which was not a good thing for Lot but it was a good thing for Abraham. And, you know, in in prayer, you know, I I was praying, and then I was also thinking of this this study, and Pastor Chuck used to call these blessed subtractions. You know, when people got uppity and they got upset about something in church and they're leaving and they've got all these threats, Pastor Chuck said that was a blessed subtraction. And so, again, that's what was was with, with Abraham here. You know, it was a blessed subtraction for him. And so, now all of this doesn't mean that being wealthy, okay, is itself evil. You know, to be rich isn't necessarily sinful. But you can't be rich in the things of this world without giving up some valuable things and without having a hard time keeping the heart, you know, unaffected by it. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Possessions are okay as long as they don't possess you, like they did the rich young ruler. Jesus said to the rich young, uh, the rich young uh, ruler, he said, looking at him, he loved him and he said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. But it says the rich young ruler was sad at what Jesus had said. He was sad at his word and he went away sorrowful. Why? He had great possessions. Mark 10, 21 and 22. But in reality, his great possessions had him. We're told by Solomon in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions. If the only thing Lot would have experienced while he was in Abraham's company was poverty, he would have escaped the troubles that ruined his life. Look at verse 7 now. 
Okay, and as a result of all the possessions, it says in verse 7, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So the secondary cause of the separation between Abraham and Lot seems to be the main cause. The main cause of the split between Abraham and Lot was wealth. Strife is simply often a byproduct of wealth. And it's not hard to see why their wealth would cause problems. Because where they were both living, the land wasn't able to support their large flocks, so there would be arguments uh, over pasture lands, wells, watering times, whose animals belonged to who. And though the strife was only words at the time, that strife had to stop. Because if it wasn't stopped, it could have led to physical strife. And the effect could have been very bad for the flocks, for their faith, and the family. And right after verse 7, it says, notice, there was strife among the herdsmen. Notice it says, the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. These words become a warning about the strife. And it instructs us about some consequences that could result from the striving. You know, it warns us that the strife could reduce the flocks. You know, it could, it could blemish the faith. Because with the Canaanites and Perizzites close by, watching this driving herdsmen, you know, leaving their flocks wide open to being plundered by these uh, uh, Canaanites and Perizzites, these, these, these people who are close by. Because Abraham's and Lot's herdsmen are bickering and fussing with each other, they obviously won't be doing a very good job watching over their flocks. And so the Perizzites and the Canaanites are kind of like buzzards just waiting for their opportunity to get in there and to steal from the flocks. The Canaanites and Perizzites couldn't help being obvious of these large flocks of Abraham and Lot. And with their lack of character, this would only encourage the, the, the plundering of the flocks if they got the opportunity. And the bickering between the herdsmen would be a good opportunity to steal sheep. Church flocks can also become vulnerable to being plundered by Satan when there's bickering and fussing going on in the church. And that's kind of what we've been learning in Ephesians by Paul, talking about you know, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Church members can get scattered to other churches or they stop going to church because of bickering in the church. And this should encourage us, as Paul said, to endeavor to live more peaceably with one another. And, and Paul also said we're to mark those with contentious spirits who are always causing unnecessary uprising in the church and deal strongly with them, Paul said. Mark them, point them out, do something about it. Because he said if members aren't straightened out or removed from the church, again, those blessed subtractions, the church will lose more and more members and it could eventually break up. And the other warnings that we have from verse 7 about the Canaanites and the Perizzites being close by is that the striving herdsmen could bring great dishonor to faith in God and to God himself. And that's what the world is looking for. Christians striving with one another. Abraham made it very clear about his faith when he built the altars in the land to worship God. The Canaanites and Perizzites would see those altars right away. And they would probably watch Abraham and Lot and all of their family members really closely to see how they behaved. And you know what? And I know you know the world is always watching, 
always watching who, those who say they're Christians. They're always looking for some kind of inconsistency in their lifestyle so they could belittle God, they could belittle God's word and his church and say, ah, oh, and those are Christians. In Judges chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, the Philistine rulers came together to celebrate their capture of Samson. Remember, we just finished their character study in Samson. The Philistine rulers, God's great enemies of the people, they, when they captured Samson, again, because he flirted with the world, they celebrated when they captured him. And this is what they said. They were going to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon. And they said, our God, some idol, this, this fish god, helped us defeat Samson, our enemy. And when the Philistines, notice, when they saw Samson, they praised their God. When they saw Samson, they praised their God. And when believers fight among themselves, hey, the world loves it. They just eat it up and they laugh at the faith of the believers. And that's how a lot of churches ruin their testimony and their effectiveness. And it's, and it's pretty much gone. And so, again, we need to also contend against moral evils and doctrinal evils or they will corrupt and destroy the church. Another consequence of strife among the herdsmen is seen <clears throat> in what Abraham said to Lot about the strife. Look at verse 8 now. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Notice here's why. For we are brethren. For we are brethren. This deals with the stranger that strife is to the family of God. The word brethren here is used, is used here in the sense of kinfolk, not a literal brother. Lot was Abraham's nephew, not a literal brother. So here the word especially emphasizes the blessedness of good family relationships. Brethren are to love each other. We, brothers and sisters in Christ, are to love each other. The family of God is to be at peace with each other. But there was strife. In the family, as the words notice show there in verse 8, between you and me. Abraham said, Lot, let there not you know, be any strife between you and me. Abraham wanted it to stop. He didn't want his peaceful family relationships ruined by division among the members of the family. You know, the family, when, when you look at, in Genesis, the, fa the family is the first institution that God established among men, before the church and before government. The family is the foundational institute of the land. The other two institutions that God established, uh, uh, you know, the government and the church, you know, are dependent upon the home for their well-being. Because if you don't have good families, solid families, hey, you don't have a solid church and you don't have a good government. If the home is filled with strife, the nation, as you look around now, the nation is filled with strife. And the church is filled with strife. If you can't get along at home, guess what? You're going to have problems getting along outside the home. And with divorce, which is evidence of serious feuding and fighting in the home, as widespread as it is today, it's no surprise that we have a society they can't live together peacefully. You know, we've just seen the striving among the herdsmen of Lot and Abraham here, which led Abraham to speak with Lot about, hey, we need to stop this striving. 
The counsel Abraham gave Lot was all centered around Lot leaving Abraham. Look at verses 8 and 9 now. Again, so Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Notice, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. So, in these verses, in three ways, Lot is condemned by what Abraham said to him. Lot was condemned because he wasn't responsive to the feuding. Even though there was feuding between Abraham and, and Lot, Lot wasn't, wasn't, wasn't moved by it. It didn't faze him. He wasn't concerned about the feuding. He wasn't concerned about the family. And, 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 he, and, he, and he wasn't concerned that the, the faithful, Abraham, didn't want him around. You know, it's sad when the faithful don't want you around. Because Abraham had to take the initiative to stop the striving. That doesn't speak well of Lot. It strongly condemns him. Abraham didn't take kindly to the strife. Abraham was not an argumentative person. He was a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. And when strife occurred among the brethren, he endeavored to bring a stop to it. Lot, on the other hand, he shows no signs at all of trying to stop the contentions. But he was the younger of the two. And having been helped a lot by Abraham over the years, Lot was the one who should have been the first one to try and stop the striving. As soon as the strife started, Lot should have immediately jumped in to stop it. But you see, Lot was filled with covetousness, as we're going to see later on. So the strife didn't bother Lot. You see, as long as it didn't interfere with his increasing material wealth, and especially if it helped him increasing his, his possessions, and you know, it looked very suspiciously, suspiciously like this strife was doing just that for Lot. It was helping him out increase in his possessions. Servants often reflect their masters. And if this was true in Lot's case, we don't have any reason to believe it wasn't. And we can, only concede, can, we can only see or conclude from the fact that Lot did not try to end the strife, that it was Lot's herdsmen who were the ungracious ones and the selfish ones and the disagreeable ones. Like Lot, his servants would look at every, every circumstance, every pressing circumstance in the fields. <clears throat> they would look at those circumstances as a chance to try to get an advantage over Abraham's herdsmen to improve their own merit, uh, material wealth. Lot was just in it to improve his own situation. Their behavior of the servants would, of course, cause a lot of strife. And the, the world is filled with people like this, like Lot. They'll see their opportunity in everything. When you stumble, when you fall... Your misfortune, you know, you're older in age, you're sick, you know, or your death. All these opportunities are for men to make things better for themselves. Uh, th this is what mean-minded men do. This kind of attitude is strongly condemned by God. And the Bible says of the things that God hates is one who sows discord among the brethren. Proverbs six nineteen. The psalmist said in Psalm 133, 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The second thing that we see that, that 
condemned Lot and what Abraham said is Lot wasn't concerned about the family. Because Abraham had to take the initiative to stop the striving, not only condemned Lot, it also showed Lot's lack of concern about his family. Abraham's effort to stop the feuding showed that he was more concerned about the well-being of his family. Lot didn't show anything. He didn't say anything to show that he was concerned. Lot didn't take any effort to stop the striving, which showed that Lot was clearly not concerned about the family as he should have been. And Lot showed by his choices later that he was more interested in where to live and in pasture land for his flocks than in peace for his family. Lot would fit right in with today's society and its attitude of of many people about the family. Putting a high value on what's best for the family is seldom done today, even in Christians' homes, which is evidenced by the high divorce rates. Families are neglected and not given much time. And the general idea in our day is don't let family get in the way of what you want to do. You know, if a mother wants to work outside the home, hey, nothing should stop her. Let her go. Don't stand in her way. Let her be a career woman. Now, there are times when that has to happen. It depends on, on if she has to, if she's single, is her husband in good health, uh, as, you know, having trouble diff, uh, you know, getting a job. There are times when, it ha- when that has to be done. But in, the, in a lot of cases, it's that, that okay, she, she wants a career. She wants to be a career woman and, and work her way up the cap corporate ladder. And, you know, or if a man receives an impressive job offer or a promotion that would be detrimental to the well-being of the family. He, he said, go for it, man. It's a good, good career move. And, and I remember one time when I used to work um, in, in my old job. And uh, I have a friend here, Richard, who used to work with me over there at Alpha. Uh, therapeutics uh, I remember I, I got a promotion on a swing shift and I got this title called shift manager which is you know just a sh- shift like a shift supervisor but uh, hey it was a it was a good uh, you know promotion as far as career move you know I made more money I had a new title but it was a swing shift and I was working a day shift and I was on that swing shift for about a year and a half and my girls were little they were still young and I get calls from them, you know, Daddy, can you come to this assembly tonight? Or can you come to the, and I, and, you know, and, and I'd say, oh, honey, you know, I, I'm working and, and, you know, and, and I, and I got to be here. Oh, I'd love to come and blah, blah, you know, and the whole thing that, that I would say, you know, because I couldn't go. And a year and a half later, I'm still on that shift. And I'm get, not getting those calls anymore. And I'm going, wow, you know, they're not going to bother calling because Daddy can't come. And I, and I thought, who long, who, who knows how long I could be on this shift? And pretty soon they're going up and they're gone. And I would miss those young years.
which as parents, you know, they go by so fast. And so the Lord spoke to me. Go back to the day shift, take the cut and pay, and take, take the demotion. And so I went to, spoke to, the, to speak to the director, and I said, hey, you know, I, I want to go back to day shift. I want to go back to what I was doing. First thing, oh, that's not a very good career move. Oh, so be it. He says, you're going to get a cut in pay, and oh, fine, cut my pay. And God's taken care of me all these years. But God did something that was so cool. Yeah, I got a lesser title. I went back to day shift. But I noticed on my next paycheck, I was still getting the same pay. I thought, oh, I better go to you know, human resources and let them know what's going on and get this fixed because I know they're going to want this back if I don't go say something. So I went back. I said, okay, but let us work it out, and we'll, we'll give you a buzz in a couple of days, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And so anyway, went back. They said, well, you know, we decided to let you keep your pay, and uh, we just won't give you the increase in the, in the uh, yearly increase in living. And I said, that's fine with me. You can keep your title. You can keep your swing shift. I still got the money. <laughs> Again, I wasn't in it for the money so much, but I was, uh, God blessed me. And you know, God rewards your obedience, and I believe that with all my heart. That when God says something and do something that's for, you know, again, the, the good of God and your family and whatever it might be, God rewards that. And so it was great. And so, again, I was, you know, back doing what I was doing. But, again, the world says, why? Don't let, any, you know, don't let anything stand in your way. You know, it's not a good career move. So, you know, again, we, we put them in daycare or preschool or whatever to take advantage of, of our career, our goals, uh, not knowing what this does to, a, to the children. And as a result of devaluing the family, we're overwhelmed with many problems. Lot would fit right in with today's lack of priority for the family. He didn't care whether he and Abraham got along or not. Materialism was more important to him than the family. The third thing that we see in, in, in uh, Lot's condemnation by what Abraham said was that he wasn't wanted by the faithful. He wasn't wanted by the faithful. Abraham didn't want him around. The solution of Abraham had for ending the feuding also condemned Lot. Abraham's solution was for Lot to leave, to separate from him and live somewhere else. Look at verse 9 now. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Abraham didn't want Lot with him anymore. Lot's behavior made him unwanted. Lot's character made it impossible for him to live with Abraham in peace. And even though Lot was a saved man, he was covetousness. He was greedy. Material gain was his priority. And we're going to see more about that later on. So Abraham just couldn't handle being around Lot anymore. And if Abraham allowed to continue to stay in Abraham's camp, it would only cause the feuding to continue and get worse. So Lot was no longer wanted by godly Abraham. Think about that. When a, what a terrible condemnation to not be wanted by good men. How awful to be asked by good men to leave them. Now, we might be greatly disliked by evil men and be unwanted in their company or in their employment, 
But that won't condemn us nearly as much as to be asked to leave the company of good men. Man, we, we make a giant mistake trying to be accepted by the world and not being interested in being accepted by those who are walking faithfully with God. You know, we can judge our spiritual temperature by those who, who gladly accept you. The Bible says the world hated me, they're going to hate you. If they love you and they love me, I need to take an inventory of, of why do they like me so much. The more one accepts you, the more the other will reject you. And Lot became, became well accepted in Sodom. They never asked him to leave. But Abraham asked him to leave. What a huge, again, condemnation this is concerning Lot's character. It was a huge condemnation for Lot to be told to separate from Abraham. But it was was an even greater and sadder condemnation to be told by God to depart from him. Can you imagine? Depart from me are going to be the words every unbeliever will hear from God when they stand before God in the final judgment. And these unbelievers may have been very popular, very accepted in the world and in our Sodoms of today. But that's not the exception that counts. Abraham's behavior is this whole, in this whole situation, his behavior is outstanding. Even though he told Lot to separate from him, he was very generous to Lot. Notice in verse 9, Abraham's request was for peace. It wasn't just words. And Abraham was willing to go to any honest length to get that peace. He was willing to sacrifice big time to make peace come about. Abraham's effort to bring peace is not to be confused with peace at, at, with the, the peace at any price philosophy. You know, that, that some go along with. In a generous gesture, Abraham gave Lot first choice of the land. Notice, notice Abraham gave up his rights, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And that's what we've been learning from Paul in Ephesians. Abraham's an example of what Paul was talking about. Abraham was the older of the two. That made him higher in rank. And Abraham had helped Lot big time over the years. Not the other way around. Abraham, you see, Abraham in that day had the right of first choice. But he didn't insist on his rights. Because Abraham was more concerned about his responsibility of bringing peace than about any rights that belonged to him. You know, and a lot of times when we stand up for our rights, and we how many, oh, wow, I have my rights. Not as a believer in Christ. (laughs) To always put your rights first does not solve problems. It usually makes them worse, and our society shows that. Over the last several years, people have been protesting, boycotting, yelling, threatening, fighting, legislating to get their rights. Hey, but none of those things have brought more peace, has it? Abraham gave up his privileges. Abraham wasn't as concerned about being honored as he was about having peace honored. And when Abraham gave up his rights and gave Lot the honor of making of having first choice, Abraham basically took a lesser position and put Lot first. And that's because Abraham didn't worry about how much prestige he had or how it would look to other people. And he was able to bring peace quickly to a really touchy situation. But people who are more concerned about how much honor and recognition they'll get will be of more trouble to society than help. 
And then Abraham, we see, forfeited his material advantages. Here's another sacrifice that's not easy for the flesh to make. By giving Lot first choice of the land, Abraham showed that material gain was not as important with him as making peace. Abraham had a lot of wealth, but he wouldn't sacrifice good family relationships to increase his accumulation of wealth. Not many people are like that. And for sure, Lot wasn't like that. And many people will sacrifice just about anything before they'll sacrifice a chance to get more. More wealth. Or whatever more of they, 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 they want. And peace is, peace is often very costly. But you know what? Abraham was willing to pay the price to make peace. So his courtesy to Lot, giving him first choice of lamb, proved that. And we've seen in Abraham's counsel with Lot that Lot was seriously lacking in good, in good character. And now in Lot's choice of the land, where he will live after he's separated from Abraham, we see his lack of character in an even more obvious way. Lot's choosing of the land, we're going to see three things involved in his choice of the land that will show his lack of character. Look at verses 10 through 11. And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So the first thing showing his lack of character was his choice, because it was based totally on material gain and how it would benefit him. Man, when he looked out there and, Lot, and Abraham said, Hey, Lot, choose what you want. He saw great pasture land for his flocks and his herds. And to Lot, and that was a good enough reason to choose this area. And again, it's not necessarily wrong to choose something based on the financial side. We all do it. We buy our groceries, our clothes, our cars, wherever we can, you know, to get the best price, especially in the day that we live. And it's not necessarily wrong to buy your house in a good neighborhood, in a good city that will help to keep the value of your home and your property. It's not necessarily wrong to sell your home or property for the best price. The problem with Lot is that that, that material gain was his only concern. It was the only thing that determined his choice. He was thinking of nobody else, nothing else but himself. You know, he wasn't thinking, now, is this a good place to live? Is this a good place to worship where I'm going? That wasn't a determining factor. Did he wonder, is, does God approve of where I'm moving? Does he approve of where I'm going? We don't hear of him praying or asking God's guidance. Lord, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to stay? And a lot of people in every age make choices based on how will it benefit me? Even at the cost of family, their spiritual life. Many people will move away from the home where their family is grounded and rooted. And I've seen this over the years. They'll, up, <clears throat> they'll uproot their family. They'll leave friends, solid churches, serving the Lord to go where they'll make a few dollars more. And they give up so much in exchange for what <clears throat> really is so little. It's, it's bad thinking and it's bad philosophy. And it's destructive. Now we can understand the unsaved world making decisions like Lot did. 
It's the same problem also troubling to those who profess to be Christians. Some believers choose jobs with more concern about their pay than the negative effects it will have on their family and their faith. It ruins families. And they don't, you know, some, depending on where they go, and, and they don't go to church as much, they don't serve anymore, their children aren't happy, and they're running with the ungodly. The determining factor of a person's decisions and choices reveals one's spirituality. And it's obvious today that the spiritual temperature of Christianity is getting lower and lower. It's getting down to Lot's level. The second thing revealing Lot's lack of character was his disrespect of Abraham in his choice. When Lot was given the choice of where he wanted to live, man, he should have never taken that offer from Abraham to be first. He should have thanked Abraham. Abraham, thank you for letting me have first choice. And then he should have said, no, Abraham, you choose. You're the elder. You've been good to me. You've taken care of me. And you've helped me. In, you've helped my livestock business to grow. But Lot didn't show any respect. Instead, without hesitation, Lot jumped, Lot jumped at the end of, uh, opportunity and he grabbed the best for himself. But again, that's what people do when their values are materialistic. They'll crush or harshly treat anybody to advance themselves in the business, in the business world, as long as it puts money in their pockets and it's an egg, ugly character and God will judge it one day. The third thing that showed Lot's lack of character was the dishonoring of his choice. Lot thought he was getting the best deal. The plain of Jordan, the Bible says here, it looked so lush in pasture and cropland. It was so well watered and it was compared, you know, compared to where he was at the time. Scripture says here it was well watered like the land around the Nile River in Egypt where Lot had been with Abraham earlier. And even it was well watered like the beautiful Garden of Eden. Let's look at verses 12 through 13 as we close. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. The plains where Lot chose to live was Sodom. And notice what it says. The men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. The word exceedingly points to the abundance and the abominableness of their evil. It was exceedingly bad. White law, Bible commentator said this. Their vileness was restrained neither in quantity or quality. As it passed all height in arrogance, so it burst all bounds in prevalence. Many different kinds of evil were being committed in Sodom. But Sodom is especially known for the fact that it was given over to the homosexual sin. Homosexuality abounded in the city and is an exceedingly abominable evil uh, to God. And later on in Genesis 19, we'll get a first-hand look at that sin. But like our cities today, the world describes Sodom as a prosperous and exciting city. To the world, Sodom had everything. So in closing, today's language, in today's language, Sodom would be well known for her wealth, celebrities, night spots, entertainment. Sodom wouldn't hesitate to brag about all of these things as, as cities usually do to promote themselves. But Sodom didn't have everything. It didn't have righteousness, which is the one thing that it needed, like all cities, need the most. 
Sodom abounded in immorality, but greatly lacked in righteousness. The condition of the city of Sodom made Lot's choice a very, very poor choice. It was a disastrous choice, as we'll see that later on. Lot's choice cost him everything that he had. And he, be, he came up the big loser materially and morally. He lost everything. He lost in every area that really matters in life. He lost. But again, when the deciding factor of a person's choice is material gain, and the choice is made with great disrespect for what should be greatly honored, then we shouldn't be surprised when that choice turns out to be a poor choice. And this explains why a lot of people, a good number of professing believers, let alone the multitude of unbelievers, come to the end of their lives holding nothing. Holding an empty bag, having nothing. So if righteousness isn't highly valued, you will choose the defiled. And what a curse that will be. Father, again, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercies, Lord. And Father, help us, God, when we make choices in our life, God, to make good life choices, God. Father, choices that will benefit us morally and spiritually, God, that will strengthen us in our families, Lord, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our society, God. And Lord, we are here to do that, God. 